please take your Bibles and turn to Matthew's Gospel, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. <clears throat> if you're visiting with us and you need a Bible, and there in the chair in front of you, you'll find a black Bible. Go to the back of that, to the back and find page 12. They renumber the New Testament. So if you go to page 12 of that black Bible, towards the back, page 12, you'll find Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14. Matthew chapter 14, we'll start reading in verse 22. 22 to 36 this morning. <clears throat> 22 to 36 takes us to the end of the chapter of chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. And immediately he compelled them, the disciples, to get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And after he sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And becoming evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already many stadia away from the land, battered by the wave, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And the disciples, seeing him walking on the sea, were frightened, screaming, and as a ghost, they cried out out of fear. But immediately Jesus, speaking to them, said, Take courage. I am. Do not be afraid. And answering him, Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And getting out of the boat, Peter walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, stretching out his hand, Jesus grasped him and said to him, O little faith one, why did you doubt? And getting into the boat, they get into the boat, the wind stopped, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are Son of God. And when they crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret, and the men, recognizing Jesus, they sent into all that surrounding region, bringing to him all who were sick, and they entreated him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak and as many who touched it were delivered. When I was in high school, I attended a small Christian school and I had the privilege, since it was small, uh, to play football. Full contact football. And I played for three years, my sophomore, junior, and senior years. Uh, And in my my last two years, uh, junior and seniors, I I played defense. And I I played uh, outside linebacker. Uh, On the left side, we had what's called a 4-4 defense. There's two inside linebackers and two outside linebackers, and I was the one on the left. And I also was on special teams. Special teams in terms of like when you kick off the ball, there's a certain type of team you guys would be for the kickoff. So we were playing this rival school, my senior year, rival school. I mean, it was big, big time rival school. And we had just scored. And on kickoff team, I was the point man, again on the left side, and my job was to keep my eye on the ball and go wherever the ball went. That was my job. So again, we're playing this rival school. Uh, We uh, scored. 
Um, so it was my job to follow the ball. We kicked the ball. I followed the ball, and some guy caught it, and I just went straight for it. And I remember I kind of lost track of him, actually. And all of a sudden, he popped out, and I, I hit him so hard and tackled him. Obviously, land on top of him. I blacked out for about a second. And then I got up, and the crowd went, Apparently, I'd hit him just like, for those of you who know football, it was like behind the 10-yard line, so I just clocked his, the bejesus out of him, so poor guy. Anyways, uh, so that was what, what I did as, as, a, as a football player. I also remember as an outside linebacker, another aspect where I had to keep my eye on something um, on a particular play that they would do, it was called a sweep as a defensive outside linebacker. I had to keep my eye when they would, uh, um, uh, what's the word I can, toss the ball, is that, is that better? I'm trying to acclimate this for some of you who don't know football. Toss the ball to a guy behind them. So I would follow him and I would run this way like this. I would not turn and look this way. I had to follow him with my eye, keeping my eye on him and run this way and obviously the wide receiver, his job was to come and block me. So I had my eye on him and he's running this way and all my job to do was to get him to turn inside and I'd be done. So I did that one time and guess what that, the receiver came around, boom, he hit me from behind, I went down, I wasn't hurt, praise God, but then they got a penalty because you're not supposed to block from back. What's, is that called clipping? Do you know? No, it's, it's blocking the back. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so he bought me in the back and fell to the ground. They got penalized. So, But that was my job. And I'm explaining this because there's different things that we have to do to keep our eyes on something. That's why they tell you you're not supposed to do what and drive. No texting and driving. I was behind one guy this past week and he was like, going <laughs> I slowed down, like, what are you doing? And I got looking, and he had his phone up like this, and he was texting, I'm like, oh gee. <sighs> right, you're not supposed to text and drive. You're supposed to keep your eyes on the road. You're not supposed to do this and talk to somebody, right? You ever somebody doing that? They're talking to you and looking at Keep your eyes on the road. Don't look over here and over there. Keep your eyes right where it needs to be. It's also what Peter had to do. Peter had to keep his eyes on Jesus when he walked on the water. It was a response to Jesus because of who he was. And as we come to this part in Matthew's gospel, where Matthew is calling us as his readers, bow down and worship Jesus, he's the Messiah, King of Israel. We actually have another reason. We looked at last week, the first reason was because he will satisfy us. Today we see because he truly is Son of God because he truly is son of God. Keep your eyes on him. Bow down and worship him. He truly is son of God. Only the son of God can do these things that Jesus did. For example, walk on water. Only God can do these things. He truly is son of God. Keep your eyes on him. And a statement for you. Jesus truly is the Messiah, King of Israel, the Son of God. Keep your eyes fixed on him, not on the storming circumstances of life. You may have come today. Nancy knows what that's like. Come today and you have the storming circumstances. Uh, The circumstances of life are like a storm upon you. 
Jesus is who he says he is. You keep your eyes on him. Respond in worship. That's why we sing, whate'er my God ordains is right. Another statement for you. God will bring situations and events into our lives to test our trust in Jesus who truly is the Son of God. He will challenge us to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus, trusting Him, not our circumstances. Jesus tested the faith of His disciples. He was doing that, and here He does it once again. To strengthen their faith, uh, uh, to grow their faith, not to destroy it. Now, it might feel like it's destroying your faith. We're not talking about feelings here. We're talking about what's true. So many times we can be tempted to be driven by our feelings and what happens is when our circumstances change, we allow our feelings to override and then the whole song, whatever my God ordains is right, is more like whatever my feelings ordains is right and I'm feeling like this, so forget this God, right? Well, maybe none of you do that. But I do. Feelings take over. But Jesus, he challenges our weak little faith. And with the disciples, he challenged it by feeding the 5,000, walking on the water, calming the storm, healing people by them simply touching the fringe of his garment. I mean, who can do stuff like that? He truly was, is the Son of God, the Messiah King. So to what extent did they believe that? They worshiped him. To what extent do we believe this truth of Jesus? If we do, we will keep our eyes on him and not take our eyes off of him. We will totally trust him. We will worship. We will. He truly is son of God. Because as we see here at point number one, only God's son can walk on water. He truly is Son of God. Only God's Son can walk on the water. I mean, look at what happens here. Verse 22 to 31. He had compelled, it says, made the disciples, or compelled the disciples to get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. He compelled them to go back to the other side of the lake. I don't always make mention the other gospels, but if you had time... In John's gospel, John chapter 6, John tells us why he did this. They were intending to make him their king, which is why he sent the disciples away. And he compelled them, fast, get out of here. This is going to be a major issue, which is why he did this. Matthew doesn't give us that detail. But then as it continues on from verse 23, he sent the multitudes away, and once it's done, notice... He went up to the mountain by himself to pray and becoming evening, he was there alone. Praying through the night. The day wore Jesus out. Feeding 5,000, dismissing the crowd. So Jesus found solace with his father in prayer on the mountain. Doesn't it just make you wonder if Jesus actually slept that night? 
even kind of side note, challenges us when we pray. How much do we pray? We go to sleep instead. Jesus was alone. So were the disciples, verse 24. They were already many stadia from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. They were struggling, rowing, trying to row to the shore, but the wind and the waves, they were against them. Remember a few weeks ago, we went to Matthew chapter 8, we talked about thou. There in the Sea of Galilee, they have these huge cliffs and then those drops down towards really close to sea level. And so the squells and storms would whip up so fast. Here was one of them. They were only maybe about a mile or two from the shore, but it, it, what Matthews is saying here is it seems like they struggled all night with this storm, with this squell, and they were tired weary themselves, probably scared. If you remember Matthew chapter 8, they were afraid they were going to drown. And then, verse 25, in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, rowing through these terrible conditions all night. This is Roman time, so somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. And here comes Jesus, miraculously walking on the water. And notice, uh, what, verse 26, disciples seen him walking on the sea, they were frightened, uh, uh, not recognizing him. When was the last time you saw somebody walking on the water? Oh, there goes Ward, he's walk, walking on the water again. Oh, there, <laughs> Ward, Golly, I hate it when he does that. Whoa. Want to turn me down a little bit? I didn't cough. I'm saying that. I don't even know where I'm at. Anyways, you were walking on, you walk on water? Wow. Pretty audacious statement there, fella. In the bathtub. (laughs) At least it looks like it when I put a towel down. Anyways, they freaked out. They shrieked, thinking it was some kind of ghost or spirit. They were terribly frightened. Notice verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage. In the Greek it's this, ego eimi, which is simply, I am. It's the same phrase that Jesus uses in John chapter 8 verse 58. When they said, oh you're not even 50 years old. How do you know Abraham? He says, before Abraham was born, ego eimi. So Jesus here, he's doing something on purpose. Ego eimi, the authority of God himself embodying his power, embodying his glory. It reminds us of the time when Yahweh gave his name to Moses. I am who I am. Jesus does this on purpose, a way to express his deity. And who else would be able to walk on water but God himself? Take courage. I am. Don't be afraid. You belong to me. You have no need to fear. He comes to his own in love to those whom he's chosen. In your storms, 
your circumstances, your difficulties. This is what he says. O child of God, you have no need to fear. He's got this, not you. He's got this, not you. Peter, verse 28. Answering him, Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, command me to come to you. This is the only gospel where Peter walking on the waters recounted. So if it's really you, Lord, you will enable me to walk on water. Wow, that takes great faith on his part. I mean, who else would say something like this? The other disciples didn't. <laughs> I ain't going out there. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And he said, come. There in verse 29. And getting out of the boat, that's exactly what he does. He walked on the water towards Jesus. This is unbelievable. Peter is the only human in the world who's walked on water. I know Jesus has, but he's God-man. I'm a human. Peter's the only human who's walked on water. And yet we're so quick to rebuke Peter because of doubts. But when was the last time you walked on water? And I don't mean your bathtub. When was the last time you walked on water? And not just walk on water, but in a storm. Wind blowing, waves up high, splashing you. We're not told how far he walked. We're not told how long he walked. But does that matter? It took great courage and faith for Peter to venture out to do this. And does this not exemplify the trials of being a follower of Jesus? Is it not a picture of what we have to do? Step out in faith and follow Jesus when everything and everyone seems against us? Is this not a picture? Does not this historical, real event that took place, is that not a picture of the Christian life? It is. That's exactly what he calls us to do. You notice what happens. Verse 30. Seeing the wind, he became afraid and began, beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Taking his eyes off Jesus, the wind and the waves terrified him, which resulted in him sinking. Now we're talking about Peter here, but notice these statements that we have up on the screen. He took his focus and attention off of Jesus and onto his circumstances the storm on the water in a storm outside the boat 
feeling the power of the wind pushing against him. The wind splashing, the, the water splashing in his face, the wind causing water splash up into his face, seeing the waves around him. He panicked. Instead of focusing on Jesus, he concentrated on the difficulties. Now put yourself in those statements. I can take my focus off of Jesus, my attention off of Jesus, and onto my circumstances, my storm. Instead of focusing on Jesus, I end up concentrating on the difficulties of my life. He cried out to Jesus to rescue him. And notice verse 31. He immediately stretched out his hand. He grasped hold of him. That's what the word means. Grasp strongly, firmly in his hand. He saved him. And then these unforgettable words. Little faith one. Why did you doubt? Or hesitate his faith was weak which is why he doubted ouch interesting Uh, Jesus expected him to trust more wholeheartedly problems within our Christian walk will arise if we replace trusting Jesus with doubt and distrust You will have problems within your walk with Jesus if you replace trusting him with doubts and distrust. The evidence is there. The truth is there. We just need to embrace it. It's a lesson. A lesson for us not to take our eyes off of Jesus, even though circumstances around us seem threatening, dangerous, hopeless. You may be here feeling that. You may be here feeling hopeless. You may be here feeling your circumstances are dangerous or threatening. Only God's Son can walk on water. So why are you taking your eyes off him? Was Peter's faith weak? And the disciples. Well, yeah, of course it was. And yet, think about it. If his faith was weak, what does that say about you? If his faith is weak, what does that say about me? What does it say about our faith, our worship, our submission to Jesus? What does that say? It's a challenge for us. And yet praise God. Praise God that when we doubt, that's the very reason why Jesus had to die, right? Because we doubt. That's why he had to die on a cross. He had to die to save us from ourselves. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for my doubt. 
Only God's Son can walk on water. That's why you should bow down. That's why you keep your eyes on Jesus. Only God's Son can stop a storm. Keep your eyes on Him. And look what happens, 32 and 33. Little short things that happen. And they get into the boat. The wind stopped. The wind immediately ceased. No word from Jesus. Remember Matthew chapter 8? Jesus hushed the wind, the waves, stopped that storm by and just said, that doesn't even happen. He just gets into the boat. That's it. His very presence stopped everything. Can you imagine that? I notice. 33, those who were in the boat worshipped him saying, truly you are son of God. No article there to emphasize the quality of who he was. When the disciples realized Jesus walked on the storm-struck sea and then stopped it by his very presence, they were stunned to the point of bowing down and worshiping him as the Son of God, the Messiah King, confessing his unique sonship. Now, do they totally understand what they were actually saying? I'm not really sure. But that's not the point. This was a true, sincere response to his lordship, his power, his kingship, to his greatness, When it comes to the gospel, it's not necessarily up to us to try to determine to what extent a person may bow down to Jesus. What is clear is they say this. A person says this, you are now Lord of my life, I will worship you. Oh, something's going on. You are now the Lord of my life, I will now worship you. That's the response to the gospel. You're saying, I will follow you. If you're here, you're not a Christian. That's the call for you. What do you keep messing around for? Repent and trust Christ. What are you waiting for? You say, you might believe all the facts of the gospel. You might believe that these things are all true, but it's time for you to embrace it and say, Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I repent and I put my trust in you. I now bow down and worship you. You respond like that today. It's quite obvious that the storm in this historical event depicts the chaos of evil. And only God can deliver us from this chaos. Only God controls the sea. Jesus exercises deity by doing things that only God can do. Walk on the water, give someone else the ability to walk on water, stop the storm. And as Jesus' very presence empowered and rescued them from this trial his presence will empower us and he'll rescue us as we face the future trials of life now many times a storm doesn't go away as some of you may well know which is why we must keep our eyes on Jesus so we don't sink Jesus empowers us his very presence is there so he will walk with us and rescue us and be there with us in these trials of life. 
What a great depiction. These are real events, true, historically accurate events that help to put us in a picture of what it's like to live a life following Jesus. That's good. Last point, got three. Only God's son can walk on water. Only God's son can calm the storm. And only God's son can heal by a mere touch. 34 to 36, they crossed to Gennesaret on the other side, about three miles southwest of Capernaum. And when they saw Jesus, they took action, bringing the needy people to him so he could heal them, all who were sick. And then verse 36, and treated him they might just touch the fringe of his cloak. And all who touched it were delivered. All they needed to do was touch the fringe of his robe and they'd be instantaneously healed. Who can do this? I mean, you see here in the midst of major opposition and rejection of Jesus with his demise foretold in John's beheading, we looked at that last week, here's Jesus still doing these good works. Barely touching them. They didn't even touch him. They just touched the fringe of his garment and they're instantly healed. Power over matter, power over nature, power over sickness, this guy's the Messiah. No one does stuff like this. And it wasn't some show like the prosperity gospel preachers do. Not like that junk that you watch on TV. All four historical events, feeding the 5,000, walking on the water, stopping the storm, healing those by them touching just the fringe of his garment. They focus us as readers on the clear power of Jesus as the Messiah. And what a contrast to the previous two events, the events with his hometown, where they're like, oh, this is Jesus, we know him. And then John the Baptist where he's beheaded. What a contrast, you see. For Jesus to walk on water and calm a storm were prerogatives belonging only to God. So these acts obviously demonstrated he is the revealer of the Father, the eternal Messiah, Son, King, which is the reason for the disciples' response of worship. I mean, Jesus made such claims. I reveal the Father. The Father reveals people to people who I am. I reveal them, the Father, and I can do it to anybody else. I have that power. What a claim. And then for him to do these amazing feats? I mean, what are you waiting for? The only logical response is worship. Jesus wanted to challenge and strengthen the disciples' faith. He did it by feeding 5,000, directly him walking in the water, calming the storm, and he called them to stronger faith, to trust him even more. How much? So that they worshiped him. These historical events are great pictures of discipleship in the midst of the trials and storms of life. Jesus is the Son of God who walks with us through life's storms. He's with us through life's storms. And it also shows us Peter. Where the, the first reaction is, ah, oh, that Peter, whatever. He's a model disciple who ventured out onto the water trusting Jesus. And it calls us that we as his disciples, that we keep our eyes on Jesus, that we keep trusting Jesus. 
Because only God can walk on water. Only God can calm a storm. Only God's son can do these things that he did. What assurance this gives us. I hope you walk away today with such assurance and just greater trust in your Savior. What assurance he gives us. Though our faith is weak, it is, we want it to be genuine, we want it to be growing, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Because God will bring situations and events into our lives to test our trust in Jesus who truly is the Son of God. He'll challenge us to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus, trusting Him, not our circumstances. That's the call for you to do today. That's the call for your response today. Jesus truly is the Messiah, King of Israel, the Son of God. Keep your eyes fixed on Him, not on the storming circumstances of life. about mid-90s, early 90s, Audio Adrenaline put out an album called Bloom. And on the album, they had the song, Walk on Water. And it immediately reminded me of the song. Reminded me of the album. Listen to some of the words to this. I'll close with the lyrics for this song. Not all of it, just some of it. Jesus walked out on the water, said, take courage, it is me. Peter trusted and he wanted to go farther, so he stepped out on the sea. Yeah, he stepped out onto the sea. If I keep my eyes on Jesus, I, will walk, I can walk on water. If I keep my eyes on him, I can walk on water. If I keep my eyes on him. Then he says this, just like Peter I want to go farther. Tread on the sea and walk on the water. Step where he steps and go where he goes. Side by side when the sea billows roll. I'll be all right when the wind blows. I'll be all right when the waves come crashing. I'm not afraid, oh no, for this is my Father's world. If I keep my eyes on Jesus, I can walk on water. If I keep my eyes on Him, I can walk on water. If I keep my eyes on the Son of God, He truly is the Son of God. He's there. Let's pray. So we thank you, Jesus. We respond at this time by praying together. Speaking to you. You have spoken to us. You were speaking to us through your word this morning. And so now we first respond to you in prayer. We're asking. No, no, no. First we thank you. Because you know our faith is very weak. And so Jesus, we thank you that you died for our weak faith. Thank you for that. You died for the times where we get angry over our circumstances. We become anxious over our circumstances. We become depressed over our circumstances. That's why you died. Thank you. And now we ask increase our trust. 
all the evidence, all the promises you've kept. Remind us of your faithfulness and your goodness. Precious God, increase our faith, our trust in you, that we would be a church that keeps our eyes on you. That's what we pray. I want to encourage you at this time, as we do each week, for this to be a time, just a few moments, between you and the Lord, a time of silence, for you to reflect, let your mind ponder and think about the things, the truths that we've seen from God's word. We'll do our time of giving, we'll sing, part of our service, those things. But let this time be for you, between you and the Lord. Let the truth of his word sink deep down into your soul and ask his spirit to change you. Just take a few moments, please, to do that.